0: I felt, um, this is just going to add this to my message, I don't know if I'm going to get time to get right through my message, but I was just reading this this morning, and in in Deuteronomy, and, you know, Moses is coming to the end of his life, so God says to him, you know, summon, um, Joshua, I want to talk to you guys. So the Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tent of meeting, where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. Now wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, young I don't know how old Joshua was there, I can't remember how old he was, but he was younger than Moses, and he was 120. Uh, so here's the his his uh, the person who's followed him around who's gonna take over now, and God says, Come, and then the pillar of cloud comes down. You're gonna think that God is gonna say something absolutely awesome. And then the Lord said to Moses, You are going to rest with your fathers, and these people will soon. This is the second, this he hasn't finished the first sentence, and he says, um and the people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land. What? That's the first thing that came out of God's mouth when these two stood together. In other words, you're going to this promised land, but those people are all going to turn away. I mean, that was hard lines to start off with. And I was just thinking why I shared that this morning at the beginning is because we bring a message, you know, and often it's being watered down. You know, we go out the door and it's gone. If you were asked two days later, unless it really impacted you, what was the message about? Or sometimes you hear something on the radio as well. But it's gone so quickly. It gets watered down because we're so busy with so much else. And here, way back in Moses' day, was the same problem. You know? These people, as soon as my back's turned, these people are going to turn away from, you know, the Lord your God. So I just want to encourage you. I don't know how many people take notes in a meeting, but nobody ever gets in touch with me during the week and say, Pastor, what did the pastor say? What was that scripture? You know, what was the message about? I've lost it. I've forgotten it. Nobody ever says, oh, can you email me a copy of your message, even if my message, you know, touches your heart. So I just want to encourage you this morning because this message is for you. This message is for everybody in this room today. And so i suggest you get a pen out or, or use your lipstick or something, but write down... One of the scriptures, at least, that I want to share with you today. You know, sometimes I've been criticized that I have too much scripture in my messages. Too much scripture, all right? If I could get away with it, I'd just read the Bible and get, a, and get away with not actually saying anything myself. You know, I'd just say, okay, we're reading this passage today and read for half an hour. But I do put some of my own words in here. But if, you, if one of these scriptures speaks to you, then God is speaking to you, all right? So write it down. So really this morning, I want to start with four steps to spiritual victory, all right? Now, you're probably going to try and guess what these are. And the first thing that might come to mind, because we've just come through a season of prayer and fasting, all right, that that might be one or two of them, but it's actually not. I want to start before that begins. And I'm sure most of us, whether we recognize it or not, have, been in, have encountered spiritual attacks or setbacks. So I just want to interact with you. I want to know that if you, as a Christian, have encountered some sort of attack, some sort of trial, or some sort of problem in your life already, can you give me a wave? All right, is there anybody in the room as a Christian yet who has yet to experience any trial, setback, or attack? One. Okay, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> so this, I am speaking to everybody <laughs> in this room, all right? So the loss of a job or the death of a family member, the termination of a friendship, you know, an unfulfilled goal or seemingly unanswered prayers. Perhaps we have worked to overcome a long-held habit And just as we feel that we're getting somewhere, something happens and there's a setback and we end up doing it stronger than before. We wonder if we'll ever make progress, especially if the answer looks too far away or even impossible. We can doubt our conversion even. Yet this shouldn't surprise us because even... Jesus warned Simon Peter, if we see in our first scripture for today, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So imagine that you are that pile of wheat, and that's the devil and that's what he wants to do to you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to stick his fork in there and throw you in the air. <laughs> and you might feel like that happens from time to time. But Jesus says, I'm pl- I'm praying for you, and Jesus is on our case as well. Satan's purpose, as we can see through that scripture, was that Peter would lose his faith. And of course, God's goal in warfare, in knowing that we've got warfare, is that our faith will increase. So on one hand, it's to diminish our faith. On the other hand, it's to see our faith grow. So this morning I want to share, if I get the time, four essential keys that will help you move through your trial or battle and bring you closer to God. So the first one is, we've got to know in our heart that God is in control. That's the basis of it, that God is in control. And as Christians, no matter what the world is going through, what this country is going through, what Kaitaia is going through, or what you are going through, we must believe God is in control. I hear more stories about different religions, and I'm not going to pick on one at the moment in light of what's happened in Christchurch, that this is taking over and that's taking over and Europe is filling up with these people. Nobody goes around saying about the, the, the huge uh, conversions that are happening in other countries like China and in India. These are foreign countries. These are foreign religions where God is moving powerfully. And we're not talking that God is in control. The devil is not God's evil equivalent. When you look at the yin and yang, and I've talked about this before, you've got two teardrops. They're both exactly the same size. I've said before that the devil wants us to believe there's a little bit of evil in God, you know, with the white teardrop, with that little bit of black in it. And he wants you to believe that in the black teardrop, there's a little bit of good in him, there's a little bit of white, it's an evil sign, and you've got both teardrops that are both the same size, the devil is nowhere near equal to God at all, he's a fallen angel, he was created by God, in fact, I don't even, he's not even God's adversary, he's our adversary, God tells us that he's your adversary, he's going around like a roaring lion, he is not omnipresent, in other words, everywhere at once but God is. He's not omniscient, unlimited knowledge, but God is. He's not omnipotent, omnipotent, sorry. Omnipotent, unlimited power, but God is. God knows everything. He is everywhere. He knows the number of hairs on our head. All right, that's just absolutely amazing. Mind changes every day. I don't know about you. If you look at your hairbrush, yours changes every day. But God knows that. He knows that about you. I don't need a hairbrush for mine to fall out, though. (laughs) And he orders our day more than we know. As it says in Psalms, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And in their hearts, humans plan their course but the Lord establishes their steps. Sometimes we can just be single-minded. We can think, you know, this is my day. This is how I'm going to, what I'm going to do. But God is orchestrating it. He's orchestrating the person that you're going to meet. He's orchestrating you. He's orchestrating events the whole time. He is working together to see things happen. If we look at the book of Acts, and we'll just read from here, the Acts 16, it says... Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So we, hear, we see Paul has been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Again, the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do that. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That's just a simple example in the Bible where God is directing Paul's steps, just like he directs your steps. And in the Old Testament, we see many of these scriptures where God directs the course and destiny of the Israelites, both good and bad. The same that he is doing for us. So if we look here at Exodus, at the first um, scripture I have up there, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was shorter. But God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And again, he's doing that to you. He says, well, I don't want you to face that yet. I don't think it's time for you to be in that position. I'm just going to, you know, direct your steps in another direction. But then on the other hand, if you are disobedient and a bit naughty... We see there again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. In other words, trouble, and I'm not saying all trouble is like this, but some trouble can come into our lives because it's our fault, you know? And often we blame God for things. He's part of allowing what happens in our lives, but often it can be our own fault. But that's only one small thing. Knowing or even remembering God loves us and wants the best for us helps us in times of trouble. So what my first point is that God is in control, but it's a matter of us saying that He loves us. He cares for me. That's the basis of this whole thing. We go back to the cross and say, He died on the cross for me. He loves me. Now, He doesn't mind if we growl at Him. He doesn't mind if we rail at Him. He's a big God but he loves us and he cares for us. And he doesn't allow things to happen to us if he doesn't want it to happen. If we look at Goliath, we know that God, Goliath remonstrated against God and, and God's people for how many days? Can you remember? I can hear a little whisper there? 40 days. So Goliath came out and stood in front of the Israelites and he, t- he had a go at them. He was taunting them. For 40 days. You know, when you go outside to do a job or something, do you spend 40 days talking to it? <laughs> you don't, you just get stuck in. Why didn't he just get across there? They lined up, it was a procession. He couldn't do it because he didn't have the authority to do it, he couldn't attack them because he didn't have the authority. And the enemy doesn't get the authority unless you give him the authority often to attack you. Remember Balaam, you know, trying to curse Israel. I had a picture up there once before of the the tents and the cross. He couldn't. God changed Balaam's curses into blessings, he couldn't curse. So God is working towards us. You know, there's a story in an Angels on a, an Assignment of where the, the pastor, when the angels are visiting him, they come and they wake him up. And they say that the, the Holy Spirit detected an attack on you. And he said, well, why aren't you busy? And, and the angel showed him in the driveway. And he said, there must have been about 100 angels out there just standing around chatting. He said, why aren't you busy out there, you know, coming against the attack? And he said, no, we've already done it. It's finished. We detected the attack, we dealt with it, and now it's finished. So we don't know all these things that are going on in our life, but God is watching over us because He loves us. It says in Psalm 2 The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, our enemies. He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath. He's laughing at your enemies. He's laughing at the enemy, and we need to as well. But not a mocking laugh. We just need to laugh at triumph. Devil, you are defeated. God loves me. And this verse here, who knows it off by heart? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Tell the person beside you, please, For me, tell the person beside you the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Come on, come on, Nate, you can do that. Tell the person this God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Who knows that song? He's under our feet. He's, I won't sing. You guys will rush out. But, you know, he's under our feet. He's under our feet. <laughs> no matter how hard our trials become, we need to see things as God sees them and acknowledge God is in control. That's the basis of it. Paul tells us. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what does it say? There's a few over here. Can't you guys see that? <laughs> we'll try that again. If, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be. Okay, that's you and me. All right? And we see in Romans, but we also glory in our sufferings. <laughs> what? We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. We're being developed. We're being shaped. The trial, the enemy, is actually shaping us to become more like Christ. And where do we start? By believing that he is in control. He's in charge. He loves us. He cares for us. We're no different from John the Baptist. We're no different from Paul or the disciples. We must trust him. But the second step is something I've spoken on before. The second step is to stay in intimacy. To stay in intimacy. Ian, Bell, Ian Bounds tells the story of a friend Who was out hunting one day. And I'm just going to read it out to you. Rising early one morning, I heard the barking of a number of dogs chasing deer. Looking at a large open field in front of me, I saw a young fawn making its way across the field and giving signs that its race was almost run. It leaped over the rails of the enclosed place where I was and crouched within 10 feet of where I stood. A moment later, two of the hounds also came over the fence, and the fawn ran to me and pushed its head between my legs. I lifted the little thing to my chest, and swinging round and round, fought off the dogs. Just then I felt that all the dogs in the West could not and would not capture that fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. And he finishes with this, and he says, So it is when human helplessness appeals to the Almighty God. If you think of that as a picture, you're out for deer, and then one of them runs to you and comes to you for help. And you pick it up. And then the dogs are the enemy, and you shield that deer. And that's a picture of God when we run to him. He picks us up, and nothing can touch us, nothing. Knowing that we can turn to God and see his strength in our weakness is one of our greatest. I couldn't even think of the word to put on that. I've I've got the greatest dot, dot, dot. What is is it? It's the greatest something, and I can't even put into words. The greatest asset, the greatest tribute, the greatest what? But it's one of the greatest things for us as Christians to be able to come into the presence of God and come into a safe place with Him. When it seems like a situation is hopeless or the matter at hand is too overwhelming, when we are tempted to doubt God, intimacy with God, our Heavenly Father is necessary. Hearing the voice of God, that's where we hear it, in that intimate place. No problem is beyond the scope of God's sovereign care. Or attention for his children. let's just have a look at Exodus 14:14. 14, 14. A very simple verse. It says, "The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now on its own, it's a nice little verse, but let's just put it into context. But at that moment, the Israelites were standing at the edge of the Red Sea with nowhere to go, with the Egyptian army bearing down on them. They appeared to be in a seemingly impossible situation, but it was a situation brought on by the Lord himself. You've been to the beach with a few people. You've probably been to the beach with the school. You can imagine maybe a couple of hundred people. But there was over a million people gone to that beach that day and they're there, and they see the army coming over. They're panicked. And what can they see? That they're going to be killed or taken back into slavery. That's all they could see. It, would be, it was a panic situation. It was God who had hardened Pharaoh's heart to pursue the fleeing slaves. Why? To make it crystal clear to Egypt that God is Lord, so that he got the glory rather than Pharaoh. And because God wanted to teach Israel that he is their deliverer and their salvation. And you see that in Exodus 6 there. It says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Then he goes on to say, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Intimacy allows us to hear God's plan and hear his instructions for us. When we forget these things, we tend to fight our battles alone. Using our sword of the fleshly spirit... as a battle axe, swinging it wildly, chopping off usually the heads of those of the people who are trying to help us. And we can't hear God saying, get out of my way, I'm trying to take care of this. The Israelites were incapable of escaping the situation on their own. They needed God to move on their behalf. But the situation overwhelmed them and they began to stress. They began to panic. The battle appeared to be between the Egyptians and the Israelites, but in reality, it was between the Egyptians and the Lord. Is that your situation? Is the devil trying to get at God through you? Is he picking on you so that he can have a go at God because he can't get at God? God told Moses to stretch out his hand as he had intimacy with God. So with all that going on, Moses was used to hearing God's voice. And so he was able to hear it in that panic situation. Nobody else heard it. Stretch out your hand. I want to hear God's voice when things are coming against me. You know, we rent our house. And, uh, you know, as I was preparing, I just last night I just thought I'd check my emails. And uh, my my son used to be in our house back in Auckland and he had some mates in there and they had a band and that seemed fine. They used to practice in the garage, you know, with this band. But I used to get these emails from the neighbours. <laughs> Every time I saw that, na- that email come up, I think, what now? You know, what now? Trying to... I'm up here and they're down there, you know, and finally, you know, the band they moved and the, the kids moved out, and we finally went down there, you know, we renovated the house and we got new tenants in there. Last night I got an email from one of the, one of the neighbors saying, Did you know you've got a DJ practicing in your garage? My heart sunk. And they said, you know, you've got a big dog. They've got a big dog as well. And we had no pets on the tenancy agreement. Is the enemy trying to get at me? You know? I had to consciously say, God is in control. Stay in intimacy. (laughs) Hear what God is saying. And then you'll get the third one shortly. (laughs) have to come to that place myself and say God you know this this causes turmoil inside of me I know it's only a minor thing but it has to happen just before I start to preach Elijah was feeling depressed wasn't he he killed the battle you know killed those priests of Baal he'd gone to hide in in the cave He, he was feeling depressed you know the queen didn't love him She wanted to kill him. You know, and he hears that small voice. Elijah, what are you doing in here? (laughs) I want to kill myself. I've got more work for you to do. He was feeling sorry for himself. I'm the only one left. He heard God tell him there was a remnant. And get out and get busy. You see there, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. What are you doing here? And that's what I want to hear, don't you? When you're going through the battle, you want to hear God's voice? Surely that's the short way. We take the long way, but there's a short way, and that's his way. You know, there's a song that we sing from time to time. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Just when you think you're lost, it may look I'm like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hey. And sometimes people are critical of the You know, there's some of these songs that just repeat themselves and repeat themselves, and there's a measure in that. But sometimes we need reminding. I may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And really this comes out of the Word of God, because if we look at the repetitive nature, it may just put us off, but really it's a story about Elisha and the miracle that he had. And the two kings it says, then he... The king of Aram sent horses and chariots and a strong force and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And that's us. That's me. What am I going to do? I'm up here. That dog must be ruining my place. Pooing all over my yard. Don't tell me he's digging holes as well. But Elisha says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike my army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. If we know what God is saying, we know what to pray. If we're too busy praying, woe is me, we don't actually hear what God is saying so then we don't actually step into the prayer that we should be praying. The enemy was after the man of God. The enemy is after you and me. It's only our closeness, our intimacy with God that helps us see things from God's perspective. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that takes an effort. It's really hard when you're in the thick of the battle, just to settle yourself to hear that voice. It's not easy. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, he with me. Again, it's intimacy. You, when you share a meal, when you share food, it's an intimacy. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you see those three in, in a line, if you see that, you see, draw near to me. Let me in. Come, just, just allow me to fellowship. Just give me the time of a meal, the length that it takes you to have a meal. Wherever it is, just give me that time that it takes you to eat a meal. Because I prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. This is my job. This is my business. This is kingdom business. Warring on our own, seeing it as our own fight, complaining, even blaming God, just wears us out. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. So we've got to be still and and allow Him to be God in our situation. God is in control. Stay in intimacy with God. And thirdly, learn to praise God at all times. You see the step? God is in control. Stay in intimacy. And now praise him for the situation. Praise him. To see victories in life, we need to learn to praise God genuinely, not just with our lips. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I can do that every Sunday. I can stand there and know the songs, and my lips are singing the songs, but my heart is somewhere else. Can anybody else do that? Do you find that? But I think if we were one of chord on a Sunday morning, if we were worshiping and we could engage our hearts by the, the second song, let's say, or even the third song, the, the, the Spirit would know and just come through here like a freight train. It was a prophet of God that was well recognized in New Zealand, and his wife had a dream, and she saw the church, and she was up above the church and looking down on the church, and she could see that the people were either black or white. And I don't mean their skin color. It was just like checkers. They were either a white over them or a black over them, and they were mainly black. And she said, what, what does that mean? What are you saying? He said, the ones that are white are worshiping me in spirit and truth. And it wasn't a great number. So people were in the house of God, they were worshiping, but there were only a small portion that were actually worshiping God. The rest were singing. It challenged me. And my mind does wander. We close these curtains now. It's a good idea because everybody, every time somebody walked past, everybody turned there. Through the worship and through the preaching even though I was happy to have the windows open so people could see us in here, this is church. It actually was quite distracting. Our minds. I don't know how you guys do it at the back. The the back rows are... I'm not picking on anybody at the back, but I don't know how you do it because I get distractions up the front here. (laughs) It, It takes an effort to worship God with the fullness of our heart. And then rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in, it says, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It, you know, it says in all circumstances. That's good and bad. So this is a key to our spiritual victory to be able to praise God for all, no matter how bad it is, praise God. Praise God that I was born. Praise God that I have a life to live. Praise God that even when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. There's three things you can praise God for. You were born, you had salvation, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. So, Lord, the rest is rubbish, <laughs> you might say. My life is rubbish. But that's a start. And then when you start with that, it can grow and grow. Thank you for my kids. You know, thank you for that person that was kind to me. Thank you for the flowers in my garden. Whatever. It, it grows and it builds until we come to that place to say, Lord, you're shaping me. And even though I don't like this, and even though this is ugly, I know that you love me. And so that praise is vital as we praise him for what we're going through. And Isaiah says, Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal with a shout, he will raise the battle cry with triumph over his enemies. So we open a door, and we to get out of the way while God is going to go after our enemies. We open that door through praise. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners. We know that's why Christ came. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's why He came. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That's who you are, oaks of righteousness to display His splendor, not yours, His splendor in your life as your life mirrors Him. As people see Christ In you. I learned a long time ago that praise is a vital key over my enemy. My praise, his defeat. And even though I can't sing, I still love to praise because i know that he inhabits as we say this before he inhabits the praises of the saints we say that as a collective group we know that he inhabits our praises on a sunday morning but he inhabits my praises and he inhabits your praises when you're praising him he's there living in it in fact there was somebody told me a picture that they saw god say it was in heaven and they saw the lord god up there and then suddenly he said Shh. And everybody in heaven had to be quiet. Shh, 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 shh. He wanted to hear the person praising him here. And that's you. That's you. Sorry, just touch me. You know, we know about King Jehoshaphat. He sent the singers and musicians out in front and won a great victory. But we also think of Job having lost everything. He fell on his knees and worshipped God. Remember, God is in control. Stay in intimacy with him and praise God at all times. And fourthly, before everybody falls asleep, Take the long view. Heaven is our goal. Heaven is our goal. Not all our prayers get answered, and I don't want to say that as a, well, you you know, give up or anything like that. We see loved ones that we prayed for that have passed on. We've seen things in our life that just haven't happened. But eternity is what we've got to think about. So we need to keep our faith. We need to believe that God is in control. We want to stay close to Him. We want to praise Him in all times, but know that this is a temporary time and we're going to end up in heaven. Can I just have the musicians come up? That would be really good. we just put slide 21 up? Everyone who is victorious will eat from the tree of life. Everyone who is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. Everyone who is victorious will eat from the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And each of us will have a new name. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, I will give authority over all the nations. All who are victorious will be clothed in white, and all who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never leave it. I will invite everyone who is victorious to sit with me on my throne. Who wants to be there? Anybody? Who wants to finish well? we're in a battle we're in a battle when we gave our heart to the Lord we joined the battle but we're victorious always remember if you just put slide 22 up God is in control Amen stay in intimacy so you can hear his voice and you know his voice And praise Him at all times. Praise Him at all times. And we've got a race to run. We've got a prize to win. We've got a faith to keep. Remember at the beginning of my message, the devil wanted to sift Peter and take his faith. And he wants to take yours too. But he's not going to, amen? He's not going to take your faith? not gonna steal your faith no